the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus is saying to the whole universe, Satan says, I don't love you. Look at the cross. Look at the crown of thorns upon my head. Look at the blood running down my face. Satan says, I don't love you. Look at the nails in my hands. You never have to wonder if you're loved again when you look at the cross of Calvary. That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. If you would like us to pray for you, then keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is our pastor teacher, Mark Finley, with today's Hope Lives 365. If God, as the presiding president of, if you please, if God, as the commander-in-chief of the universe, because he had power to swat Satan like a flea, like a mosquito, if he would have destroyed Satan, the whole universe would have served God in fear. The whole universe would have said the reason God did that is because Lucifer was right. So God, in his wisdom and his love, could not destroy Lucifer at that moment. He would allow evil to go on. He would allow evil to raise its ugly head. He would allow evil to show the full nature of its hellish evil. He would allow the fruits of evil to go on. He would then come and break the bondage that Satan had upon the human race. He would loose the handcuffs that would bind us. But this does lead to another question. The question that Lucifer really raised was, is God really just? Is God's way really best? Doubt was entered into the universe. It was at this point that God created a planet called planet Earth. As this rebellion was occurring in heaven, God made a planet, a magnificent planet, a beautiful planet. Lucifer, the Bible says, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, where was he cast out to? The Bible says he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. But wait a minute. Did God make earth as a dumping off place for Satan? Did God make earth just as a place to get rid of Satan? He said, well, I got a problem with Satan. I'm going to get rid of him and I'm going to cast him out into this earth I just made. Not at all. The universe must see that God is love and that God's way is best. When God created planet earth, God created planet earth perfect. How did planet earth become involved in this cosmic conflict? Not because God created earth as a dumping off place for Satan. Not because God created earth to get rid of a problem that he had up there. When God created planet Earth, it was created perfect. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that God looked over Earth and he saw that everything he made was good. 
God created this earth without a taint of imperfection, without a taint of sin, and God placed Adam and Eve here. But God gave to Adam and Eve the same freedom of choice that he gave to Lucifer. Because God didn't want robots in Adam and Eve. God didn't want puppet beings. God didn't want marionettes. God didn't want beings that were made with some computer chip in their brain. God gave to every being in heaven the freedom of choice. God gave to the cherubims up there, the seraphims up there, and the beings of unfallen worlds the freedom of choice. God gave as well, Adam and Eve, that same freedom of choice. To take away the power of choice is to take away the ability to love. To take away the ability to love is to take away the opportunity to be happy. And so Satan came to this garden, came to Eve, and he tempted her at the tree. God had warned Eve. God had said to Eve, there is a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from it. Eve, you have the choice. Adam, you have the choice. But Adam and Eve, there is a door that I want forever shut. There is a door that I want forever closed. It is the door of sin. It is the door of evil. If you open that door and Lucifer comes in, he will take dominion of planet Earth. If this Earth is ever plunged into sin, it will be separated from me, God said, and sickness and horror and suffering will come. Eve, do not partake of that tree because you'll open the door to evil. You'll open the door to sickness and suffering and heartache and death. Eve, keep that door shut. Satan came to the tree, and as Eve lingered at that tree, she looked at it. God gave her the power of choice, and the devil said, Genesis 3, verse 4 and 5, you will not surely die. Eve, partake of the tree. Eve, you're not going to die. In fact, look at the lie that Satan told Eve at that tree, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. If you eat of this tree, you're going to enter into a new sphere of existence. If you eat of this tree... You will have a new joy, a new happiness. You'll have a new exhilaration that you've never known before. Eve, God's keeping something from you. Eve, God's holding something back from you. Eve, God is not fair. Eve, take of the tree. When she made that conscious choice, she opened a door that God wanted forever shut. A door of suffering, a door of heartache, a door of famine, a door of sickness, a door of disaster, a door of death. When Adam and Eve sinned, they separated themselves from God. And when we are separated from God, we're separated from the source of life, the source of love, the source of joy, the source of meaning. And sin produces anxiety rather than peace. It produces fear rather than assurance. It produces suffering rather than joy. It produces death rather than life. And so the door was opened. Ours is a planet in rebellion. Ours is a planet that turns its back on God. Not only did Adam and Eve sin, but the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we are this cosmic speck in the universe, this planet in rebellion in the universe, this lesson book for the whole universe that sickness and suffering and heartache and death are the result of rebellion against God. Who is responsible? Certainly not God. You know, the disciples came to Jesus, and they asked him about this idea of suffering, and Jesus told a story. Jesus was wonderful at telling stories, and Jesus says, once upon a time, there was a sower, and that sower went out to sow, and he sowed only good seed, but then at night, an enemy came, and he put tares or weeds among the good seed, and they grew up together, and the weeds choked out the good seed. 
The disciples wondered about that story that Jesus told, and they said, what does this mean that the field was sowed and there was good seed sowed in the field, but somebody sowed bad seed in it? What's this all about? What's this story speaking about? Matthew 13, verse 27, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? In other words, didn't you only sow joy and happiness and gladness and life? Didn't you only sow peace and meaning and purpose? Why is it that there's so much sickness, suffering, and death? And Jesus is very plain when he says, he said to them, an enemy has done this. In other words, there's an enemy. His name is Lucifer. There's an enemy. His name is the devil. There's an enemy. His name is the evil one. Why is there so much sickness, suffering, and death? Because there's a cosmic war in the universe. Our first parents opened the door. We have made wrong choices. We're in a world that is groaning for its deliverance in this controversy between good and evil. We're in a world that is experiencing the effects of rebellion and separation from God in the universe. But wait a minute, somebody asks, why doesn't God do something? Why doesn't God act? Why doesn't he enter into human history? Why doesn't God do something about the suffering and sickness and sorrow and heartache and death in our world? You know, many people picture the devil as a being. You know how it is. Red suit, horns, goatee beard, pitchfork. Many people picture Satan like that. Satan's not like that at all. He is that fallen angel. One-third of the angels fell with him. We're in the midst of this conflict between good and evil. When Adam and Eve left the Garden of Eden, God gave to them a magnificent promise. Why doesn't God do something about the suffering in our world? God has done something. God has done something. Come with me back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve have just sinned. God has told them that they have to leave the garden. Their hearts are broken. Tears run down their face. They wonder, is there any answer to the problem of sin? The wages of sin are death. Will we suffer and die with no hope? Will we go into the grave with no possibility for the future? God gave a garden promise before Adam and Eve left that garden. God came. And he gave them this promise found in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. The Bible goes on as it says, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, the Messiah is going to come. And Jesus looked directly at that snake and he said, the Messiah is going to come. I'm not going to leave the world isolated and alone. I'm not going to push it out into the far reaches of space. The Messiah will come and he will crush the head of Lucifer. The Messiah will come. His heel will be bruised. Jesus gave the promise in the Garden of Eden that the door that Adam opened of death would be shut by the Messiah. Christ would come. He would experience sorrow and disappointment. Christ would come and he would live the life that Adam should have lived. Christ would come and he would die the death that Adam should have died. Why doesn't God do something about sickness and suffering? He did. Jesus came as a baby born in Bethlehem's manger. Jesus tabernacled in human flesh. Jesus faced Satan head on. Jesus lived the life that you and I should 
should have lived. Jesus died on the cross, the death that we should have died. Adam opened the door of death. Jesus Christ opened the door of life. Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com, or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. Every drop of blood that is shed on Calvary's cross. Jesus is saying to the whole universe, I love you. I do not want to be in heaven without you. Yes, you've sinned, but I paid the ransom price to bring you back. There's nothing like this in Hinduism. Nothing like this in Islam. Nothing like this in any religion in the world. Religions say we've fallen. We must live a righteous life and come up to where God is. God says, I will leave heaven. I will come down to earth. I will live the righteous life that you should have lived. I will demonstrate my whole love to the universe as I hang on a cross with nails through my hands. This is Jesus. Jesus is saying to the whole universe, Satan says, I don't love you. Look at the cross. Look at the crown of thorns upon my head. Look at the blood running down my face. Satan says, I don't love you. Look at the nails in my hands. You never have to wonder if you're loved again when you look at the cross of Calvary. The love of God, how great and far. The love of God, how wide and wonderful. Why doesn't God do something about the suffering of this world he has? Jesus has come. And he's paid the price for the whole universe to see. He's answered the charges of the great controversy between good and evil on a cross called Calvary. He says in Jeremiah 31, verse 3, let's read it together. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Satan says, God doesn't love you. Jesus hangs on the cross and says, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Why doesn't God do something if he loves us? He has. He sent Jesus to pay the ransom price for your sin and mine. The door that was shut by sin is open by Jesus. Jesus has done something. Every drop of blood reveals his love. But yet, when Lucifer challenged God, he said he was unfair and unjust. Not only has God done something, God is doing something. Not only did Jesus die on Calvary's cross. Not only did he die on Calvary's cross, but Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Jesus is alive. Not only did Jesus die for us, not only are there prints in the hands of Jesus for us, but Christ is alive. The Christ that died is resurrected from 
the dead. The tomb of Christ is empty. Not only has Jesus done something for us, Jesus is doing something for us now in the midst of a world of suffering. In the midst of a world of pain, the Bible says, Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Do you feel weak? Do you feel stressed out? Do you feel disappointed and discouraged and lonely? Jesus came to earth. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to be lonely. He knows what it's like to have your heart broken. Jesus knows that. He was here. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And the Bible goes on. Let us therefore come boldly, that means confidently, to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you have a time of need in your life? Why doesn't God do something about the suffering? Why doesn't God do something about the sorrow? Why doesn't God do something about the heartache? He did. He sent Jesus. And Jesus opened that door of life where there was death. And he's yet now doing something. He's in heaven reaching out to you to give you strength, to give you courage, to give you hope in whatever you have to face. Some time ago, I read a fascinating little story. It was a cute little story but a little boy who always wanted a dog. He always wanted a golden retriever. And this little boy saved up his money. He had a paper route. And he saved up his money to buy this golden retriever. He was on his bike one day riding, delivering his papers out in the farm area. And as he was, he saw a sign, puppies for sale, $25. It was some time ago, golden retrievers. So the little kid dropped his bike by the side of the road, ran up to the old farmer's house and said to the farmer, you've got golden retrievers? The farmer said, oh, yeah, yeah, I got golden retrievers. You want one, son? Sure do. You got the money? The boy said, oh, yes, I have the money. I want to buy a golden retriever. The farmer whistled. Golden retrievers came running around the farmhouse. Four of the cutest little puppies you'd ever want to see. The little boy sat down, and the puppies jumped up on his lap, and One of them began licking his face. He played with that puppy for a while. I thought, do I want that one? Another puppy was running around his feet, and he rolled in the grass with that puppy, and the puppy licked him under the chin. He said, do I want that one? He couldn't decide, which of these four little puppies do I want? He kept stroking them. A little while later, a fifth puppy came around the farmhouse, and that puppy had a twisted old leg, and it was just coming. It was pulling its leg and pulling its leg. The little boy said to the farmer, well, what about that puppy? What about that one? And the farmer said, that's the run to the litter. That puppy has a twisted old leg. Nobody will ever want to buy it. That puppy is going to die this afternoon. I'm going to take it and shoot it because nobody would want it. I don't want it. I'm not going to feed that thing. The little boy said, I want that puppy. I'm going to buy it. The farmer said, what are you talking about? You can have any of these good puppies. That puppy is going to be a burden all of its life. You're going to have to carry it everywhere. It can't walk. I want that puppy. Sir, I've saved $25. I'll give it to you for that puppy. The farmer said, what in the world do you want that puppy for? The boy got up from the grass and he began to walk toward the farmer. The farmer noticed that the boy was limping. And when the boy got to the farmer, he pulled up his pant leg. And there were the telltale signs of a metal brace 
There were the telltale signs of the leather holding the metal together. The boy had polio as a child. And the boy said to the farmer, Sir, that puppy is going to need somebody who understands. And I do. In the sorrow of life, in the heartache of life, in the disappointment of life, I need somebody who understands. I don't need a God shouting at me from heaven, obey. I need a God who in Jesus lived on earth, who was lonely and tired, who experienced pain and disappointment and poverty. And a God who says, I can understand, Mark, what you're going through. I know your loneliness. I know your disappointment. I know your tears. And a God who puts his arm around me and cradles me to his breast and gives me strength and says, it's going to be okay because I'm with you. God has never promised you and I would not go through suffering. He's never promised we would not go through sickness. He's never promised we would not go through heartache. He's never promised we would not go through disappointment. He's never promised our hearts would never be broken and we would not cry. But he has promised he'd be with us. He has promised he'd be by our side. He has promised he'd put his arms around us. He has promised we'd never face anything that he hasn't faced and he could give us encouragement in it all. Thank God for Jesus. Why doesn't God do something? He has. Why doesn't God do something? He is. In the sorrow of life, he is there. In the disappointment in life, he is there. When we get on our knees and open our hearts to him, he is there. When in the agony of life and our body is racked with sickness and we say God why me? He is there there to put his arms around us there to cradle us to his breast there to give us encouragement there to give us strength, there to give us hope. Just when I need him Jesus is near. Just when I need him most he leaps into my life and gives me the encouragement that I need and the battle between good and evil He is supreme in the battle between good and evil. He will win. Don't give up, my friend. Jesus will win in your life. Whatever you're going through tonight, he is there. Whatever disappointments you face tonight, he is there. Whatever struggles in your life, he is there. Whatever temptations in your life, he is there. Whatever heartache in your life, he is there. Whatever financial needs, he is there. Open your heart to this Christ. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the ability, the comfort to face whatever you're facing tonight. Why doesn't God do something? He will. He has. He is. Isaiah 41 verse 10, fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, he says to you and to me. Why not? For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. He says to you tonight, I will strengthen you. Why doesn't God do something about the evil in the world? He sent Jesus. Jesus died to open the door of eternity. Jesus is resurrected from the dead to give us strength and comfort. But he will yet do something. Satan will not have the last word according to the book of Revelation. Jesus Christ is going to have the final word. Jesus is coming again. He will bind Satan. Look at how Revelation ends, the Bible says. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. Why doesn't God do something about evil? He will. The last chapter isn't written yet. 
The last act in the drama hasn't taken place yet. The last innings in the ball game have not been completed yet. Jesus is coming again. He will destroy Satan. The Bible says, therefore, Ezekiel 28, verse 18 and 19, I brought fire from the midst of you, and it devoured you. The devil will be destroyed and devoured and be gone forever. I turned you to ashes upon the earth. You've become a horror. You shall be no more forever. Good news, no more sickness. Good news, no more suffering. Good news, no more heartache. Good news, no more disappointment, devastation, famine. This world is going to be made over by God. Walking through this life, reach out and take his hand. He died for you. He lives for you. Would you like to bow your head and say, Jesus, take my hand. Jesus, take my hand. Father, in the quietness tonight, we bow our heads. We thank you that you've not forgotten us. We thank you that you love us more than we can imagine. We thank you that you've answered the challenge of Lucifer, that you're unfair and unjust. You revealed your love. You opened the door of eternal life for us. That you're there for us in the time of our need. That your arms are stretched out for us. That you'll give us hope and courage. We thank you for that. We thank you you're coming again for us. We thank you that Satan will be vanquished. Take our hand and lead us home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Fenley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy. 888-244-HOPE That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.